0: When people are doing what lights them up, I get illuminated.
1: Hello beautiful people. So today we are with Marguerite Dixon. Let me say if it's correct or not. She's a mom and wife from Austin, Texas, that she loves to learn. And think about some topics as career and purpose in life, or following your dreams. Let's say, how are you sure. today?
0: I'm doing great, thank you. Enjoying some, for once, maybe getting cooler Austin weather. So,
1: how is <laughs> everything with your family in the current times?
0: You know what we have um, we have had it just as easy as you could have it. My husband's work has not been impacted because he can do it remotely. So that has been easy for us. I am at home with our kids. So that hasn't, uh, that hasn't changed. And therefore, when school changed, I was available to, you know, take on that. Uh, And actually, we homeschooled um, for a good seven or so years. And they had just started school and did did our public school for about six weeks and then were sent back home so we were completely fine with doing school at home that wasn't new for us so all in all we have not had a lot of the rough uh transitions that a lot of families have had so we're good
1: for you it was like the opposite is coming to the normal just Life. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> I was oddly prepared for a pen. Okay, bring them back home. All right, I can do that. We'll just crack open our old school books. No, really, we, we went ahead and did whatever sort of virtual school the school provided. Um, but yeah, there wasn't a struggle of me trying to work and school them, which is just a recipe for so many parents feeling like they're failing at everything. Um, so yeah, yeah, it was okay for us. Course, and right. I mean unfortunately it's still what we're doing you know we're still at home most of the time and the kids will start virtual school tomorrow
1: still still no yeah let's wait for the next months to see all the virus yeah it's what we can do just wait it's not now in our (laughs) hands
0: Mm -hmm. absolutely just thankful to all the scientists working on vaccines
1: exactly exactly And so let's know a little bit about you. Tell me a little bit about you for the listeners and viewers that still don't know you.
0: Sure. Yeah, so I uh, grew up in Austin, Texas. Uh, I would say, you know, pretty standard upbringing, loving and encouraging family. Um, Went to school, went to university, you know, started working, did all that. And I would say, you know, sort of part of my story is I've always sort of been called an old soul. Um, People often say they appreciate either a way that I've said something or some sort of word that, you know, so I know my words help people. And so that's sort of what I've started taking more, more serious lately and saying, okay, how can I really put my thoughts out into the world with the hope that they, that they serve somebody. Uh, so that's kind of how I found myself posting on social media more or looking uh, for ways to chat about certain topics. And one topic that I ended up sort of developing my thoughts on was the idea of uh, college and is it worth it for people? Mostly because it far and away, that was the topic that dominated my early adulthood. Uh, you know, and I imagine that that's the case for most people. This sort of when you're 18, what comes next? Um, so it felt like a topic that might help uh, a large group of people. So that's kind of why I just started there, and um, yeah. So those are sort of the, the rough basics.
1: Let's go. Let's go direct to the to the question because uh, in one of the videos that you sent me. Uh, I, I took a quote that's that you said it that college isn't for everyone but too many people think it is. Can you talk a little bit more already about that?
0: Oh yeah so yeah that's sort of the the crux of the issue in my mind is um, that I would say too many people think that the next step after high school is college um, and it's often and I think there are actually more options than that. Um, I think we got to that place because I think, I think you and I both like uh, Gary Vee, Gary Vaynerchuk, mm-hmm. yeah. You. And so one of the things, you know, one of the ways he puts it that I really agree with is that college used to be ROI positive. It used to be a return on investment that was worth it. And that was the case for a long time And so that's why we got to this sort of societal narrative of, yeah, that's the next worthy thing that you should do. College was ROI positive for a while. So that's why that message sort of seeped in to society. Um, And I feel like that has changed, but people have not adapted their behavior. So now I, I think college is not necessarily ROI positive for everybody, but people treat it as if it is even to the tune of going into lots of debt for college. And I think that's a significant problem. Again, I understand how we got here because if something is in the end ROI positive, it would even be worth going into debt for. But I think that is the case for a small percentage of college students right now. If you know you're going into a field that for sure is lucrative, or if you're going to a top 10 school, then okay, if you take on some debt in order to do that, you will probably still come out positive on the other side. But I feel like we have way too many people going to get uh, a degree that doesn't make that, that guarantee. Um, so, you know, I tend to think about if I were advising people on college, I would definitely first start with what their, their talents and interests are. I think that is the uh, building block. That's the foundation of the question for everyone, whether you've graduated from college, even, whether you're 50 and considering a career change, right? That's the heart of the question. What are your talents and what are your interests? What are your options for exploring them? Um, And so I think that's where people need to start. And in terms of college, I think they need to evaluate it with, does this thing I want to do necessitate a degree? If you want to be an emergency room physician or an astronaut, I see some college in your future. Those are fields that you cannot hustle your way into. I don't, I don't want anyone hustling their way into an emergency room or a rocket, right? <laughs> like I want you to go to school and be qualified you need a degree for certain professions. So I do want to be clear about that, uh, that I'm not uh, trying to say something very radical. No, I think there are certain fields for which you absolutely ought to go to college. In fact, I Mm -hmm. would be nervous if you hadn't gone to college, right? Um, There are, on the opposite end, there are fields that in no way require a degree. If your passion is gardening or dancing or cooking, there's no reason to go to a, let's say four year university for those things. But I think most people kind of fall in the middle. They have have an interest in maybe finance or maybe theology or journalism, and they see a degree path in front of them for that, but don't realize there's an equally viable way to pursue that field outside of a degree. So even with some things that I think you could say, oh yeah, sure, most people get a finance degree or a journalism degree. I would say, gosh, you could probably do equally well in those fields by taking a year and reading all the finance books you can get your hands on. By, if you want to be a journalist, by taking a year and interning at, you know, hmm. where, you know, whatever kind of journalism you want to do, that, that those things would provide so much value to you that that I don't know that college does. Um, So in terms of degrees, that's sort of where I would start with people. You know, do you really need it? Do you kind of need it? Do you not need it at all? And remind them that there are so many ways that you can study something. You can go and get experience in a field. If you're interested in politics, go intern at an office. Um, If you... Are interested in being a fiber artist on Etsy great go get an unrelated job if you need to and pursue your art you know it's sort of the classic go to auditions and wait tables for an actor route you know it doesn't matter what you're doing for income you're you're using that income to then use your other time to pursue what you're really interested in Um, and I think I would also remind people that they have another resource, which is time. And I don't think people use that resource enough. Don't go to college right away. (laughs) You know, it's not as if you have to jump straight into it. If you then get two years into life and realize college really sounds like a good idea, uh, great, then super, you can start college anytime. And on the flip side, you can stop college anytime. Uh, You can say, huh. I got I got a year and a half in and I'm actually more interested in doing XYZ. So I think people kind of see it as an either-or proposition. Like I'm either going to college or I'm not. It's like it doesn't have to be that either. So that's a that's sort of a
1: no, brief. I will, no, no, a lot a lot of good opinions. Yeah, because I wanted to to, to, to see first a couple of differences because for example, the price of going to a a university in Europe, it's completely different than going in the United States. It's almost a a house, maybe more.
0: Yeah, so I I thought about that before I got on the call. I thought, you know what? I wonder if my target audience is more in the United States because yeah, it occurred to me, college is handled differently, you know, and maybe with much less debt for people (laughs) in other parts of the world. yeah, so I would say, yeah, college, yeah, I mean, could easily cost a hundred thousand or more. Um, so, and it's it's just a heavy burden uh, to put on kids. So I'm I'm 38 at the moment. I, I have friends who are still paying off their initial degree, and it's just like that. I don't feel good about looking kids in the eye and saying, and advising that, you know, because it's, I know people really wanna give that purpose and that something to do to kids. And I know why people are attached to the narrative of college because we've equated it with having a better life. So no one wants to look at a kid and think that they're signing them up for a, a less quality life which is why they advise college because they think that will provide a quality life on the other end. So, so I do understand why people also don't want to look at a kid and say, don't go to college because <laughs> they think they're setting them up for something less good. Um, but I'm, I'm just sort of arguing that I would rather have the conversation that we're going to have with kids after college, before college, particularly mm. because debt is often involved, yeah.
1: Yeah, no, and yeah, you because yeah, like at least in Europe and in in Portugal in special, it was that they sell it that that dream that you go, you you do the high school, you go to university, and after you you have a good job and yeah, that's it. Career. And it's not like that. Maybe ten years ago, twenty years ago it was like that, but nowadays it's different, you know. And it's like you said it a lot of the stuff you can learn by yourself, you know?
0: Right, I just think the game has changed and people haven't adapted yet. Yeah, it is mostly it. And that's just, that's just human nature, right? You know, that, that people are gonna continue a behavior for maybe longer than it's necessary before they realize, oh, okay, this is sort of the new way it's done. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I remember watching a Gary Vaynerchuk interview where he said, yeah, I mean, there was a guy who, who bought too many horses right before the car got popular. You know, <laughs> like, this, this isn't new. This is a phenomenon that happens over and over. You have something that is useful for a long time. It's not like that guy was stupid. Horses were great for a long time. The, it's just something new came on the scene. And I, and I think that about uh, parents, too. Did I get bad advice to go to college? No, not at all. That was good and reasonable advice. It just happens that the game changed. you know, so I understand why my parents encouraged college. I understand why people encourage it. It's just we're in the middle of the game, changing, and you know I think there's value in in pointing that out.
1: After it's like you said it, I think it's it's also really nice if you and take two years go do some internship in some of your something that if if you want, for example, like you said being a journalist, go to the internship in, in a, in a nice agency, you know, nice you know? Yeah, like try it, don't go, don't jump in, mm-hmm. in the degree. I think that is.
0: Yeah. That I think. Away. So I think people advocate for college as a place to explore. And, uh, I would just argue that it's too costly of a place to explore again, for those of us who are, who are, you know, in taking on a large financial burden to do so. So is college often a place for exploration? Absolutely. But that's not because that's inherent in college. It's because you're showing up and you're studying a bunch of different things and you're going, oh, what I thought I liked, I don't like, or the farther I get into this, the less I'm interested or the more I'm interested and I didn't realize. So of course, college is a good place to explore. It's just not the only place and it may not be the best place um, in terms of um, finances.
1: I can assure you, it's not the cheapest place, for sure.
0: Right, <laughs> right. Um, and you know, we're we're asking young kids to do it too, as as if there's not a whole world of adults that knows things change throughout your life. Your mind changes. What you get interested in changes. You know. So yeah, I think letting kids take the time to do something different is is a viable option. And I. You know, I sort of want to troubleshoot here and say, I don't want anyone to think I'm saying, yeah, you should just get any sort of job and like play video games in your dark apartment. That sounds terrible. That's not what I'm advocating for. I'm advocating for people having intention and self-reflection and and finding something that motivates them. I'm advocating for doing something really fun with not going, go to Wyoming and be a ranch hand, go nanny for a family that travels a bunch. There are so many rad things you can do with your time that, that, you know, I I don't want people to go, well, if not going to college, what are they gonna do? That sounds lame. It's like, oh, there's so many not lame things you could do with your time. (laughs) There's so many fun adventures you could have, you know, so, uh, I can see people sort of saying, "What? what's the alternative to college? It sounds depressing. And I think I would just say, well, yeah, you need a lot of intention and self-reflection behind what you choose to do next. And that's what I really want for people. That's what I want for people after college as well. I want you to, to think about what are my talents, what are my interests, what are my options for exploring them? Um, yeah. So, you know, my whole sort of getting on this topic is more about trying to get people to think more critically about their purpose mm-hmm. than it is sort of about the nuts and bolts of, of college and whether it's financially worth it or, you know, uh, things like that. Uh, that. Because I think that's what people do after college. They say, what am I good at? What am I interested in? How can I do that? So um because ultimately the the big reason i want people to do that is when people are doing what lights them up i get illuminated no matter no matter what that is when someone is pursuing something that they want to do i benefit from that so that's why i want everybody out there thinking critically about their life and how they're going to use it because i get a lot from that no matter what it is if someone's dream is to have an enormous family, let's say. Wow, I get to witness that and then see the teamwork and dedication and thought that it takes to manage a large family or I get to admire the close relationships they have. If if someone, you know, wants is passionate about pharmaceuticals, I get better medicine out of that. If someone is passionate about the opposite, about plant medicine, I get I get to see I get to be reminded that there's so much power in the natural world. So when other people are doing what lights them up, we all benefit. And that's, that's why I'm, you know, get sort of hyped up, up about this conversation because I think it's really, really critical that people use their gifts. There's so much to gain from people using their gifts. Um,
1: yeah, okay. no, you know, you are so right. In- in so many things that you said it that, that, that I, I took some notes because it's it's true. Like you you talk about purpose, and for me it's like you said it. We should. I think everybody has a different flame, and all <laughs> of us we have we have a purpose in life. Maybe it will take you five, ten years. It doesn't matter how much time, how many times you have to try it, but yeah. you should do it. How do you think that for the ones that are still lost, they can try to find a pet? in your opinion?
0: Yeah, so the sort of those building blocks I mentioned of talents and interests. So I think talents are a great starting point. Uh, the way you know your talents, I think, is often from, I mean, internal feedback, right? You, you know, a lot of people just know what they're good at. But let's say someone is out there going, I, I don't know what I'm good at. I don't know what I offer. You know, um, I would say if they could think on what feedback do people give them. So like I mentioned at the beginning of the interview, I've been told my whole life I'm an old soul. Uh, people appreciate my words, etc. That is feedback I've gotten over and over and over about who I am and what people recognize about me. So I think that's a place to look. If you don't have a ready list of one or two things that you think you're talented at, and by the way, it should be noted, uh, I think people put too many limitations on their talents. Right? People are automatically thinking, but that's not a job. I don't care, think about what you're good at. Do you make a good cookie? Do, do people feel safe around you? It can be anything, right? We can, we can mine anything for and, and extrapolate from there to what you could do or pursue with that. So I don't want people to put limits on what they think their talent is. Because oddly enough, something that you consider, meh, whatever, actually is a talent. Not everybody has it. Not everybody does make a good cookie. Not everybody does throw a good party. Awesome. You know, you do and you think nothing of it because it's so natural for you. So, you know, people should kind of watch out for that sort of discounting some of their talents because they think that's not unusual. Um, So talents, if you feel like you haven't gotten feedback, I would, if you have people you trust, I would ask them, what do you see as my strengths? Um, Maybe you have to be sort of, I guess, careful in evaluating to whom you pose that question. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, if you have a trusted friend, that would be fascinating to see what they see in you. may say something that you just never realized. Um, The other thing that I'm a little more interested even than someone's talents are their interests. And that's because I think your interests are a really powerful motivator. And I think you can often troubleshoot around any lack of skill that you might have when you're very interested in something. So, um, and again, I'm open to anything. If you tell me you're darn passionate about Minecraft, great. We don't need to dismiss that because you think Mm -hmm. it's a hobby. Um, If you love uh, cars, it, it doesn't need to be anything in particular. But if it's something you spend your free time on, that's a really good indicator that you have a high level of interest in something, a level of interest that is sustainable. And so for people who are wondering, I don't know what my purpose is. Yeah, I come back to, talents and interests. And of the two, I'm a little more interested in your interests, because I think that can really drive and motivate people. Oh, and my my other comment about talent is sort of a a caveat to it, which is um, just because you're good at something doesn't mean you have to trade in on it. So I'm very good at being detail-oriented. I spent a lot of my working career, before I was at home with kids, trading in on that skill, and I hated it. <laughs> it really stressed me out. So I am talented at it to a to a clear degree and far and above others, but it really stressed me out. And it took me a good decade to realize that, like, oh, just because I do have that thing to offer, doesn't mean I want to offer it, doesn't mean I want it to be, you know, the main driver of what I do. So sometimes we have talents that we don't want to pursue as well and and that's valid too because <laughs> i've had that experience of just finally going oh i'm really good at this thing and i really dislike being relied person who's relied on to manage every little detail
1: <laughs> no and after and after it's sometimes you can use it in 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 other ways not in that you know like not in that perspective or in that career but you can being detail oriented Mm -hmm. in other fields of your life, you know, like some that you enjoy. I think also we can see it like that, and I like it. Uh, Tell me a little bit, also a little, what was your career, just to understand, and for the listeners?
0: Yeah, so uh, I ended up with a degree in French from school, and I ended up teaching at a French, English, Spanish immersion school in Austin, or ended up being an assistant because only native speakers could be teachers, which I think I thought was a great rule. Um, uh, It made total sense. Uh, So I would be an assistant in a French classroom. Um, And sort of what I discovered there was, you know, uh, I like French, Uh, I didn't mind teaching it. Uh, Probably the kids were a little too young for me yeah, uh, because they were lower elementary aged. Um, so I kind of decided, eh, you should probably be able to like read a newspaper and talk to me about it. <laughs> if, I'm gonna, if I'm gonna teach you. So you know, that was a little hard because it wasn't just French, right? You're managing upset kids and you know, kids that miss their moms and stuff like that. Um, so it was really enjoyable for me on the side of getting to meet you know native french speakers and knowing the staff and um it was so fun to watch to watch kids in that environment because on the let's say on the playground they were asked to speak to their teacher in the language that that teacher taught them so on the playground they might be around all three the kids rotated through each language so they might be around all three of their teachers on the playground so you know i mean they're just in their own kid way, trying to switch back and forth between languages. And I remember one girl was describing a picture she drew and. So, you know, ça c'est le ciel, and that's the sky, ça c'est du l'herbe, that's the grass, ça c'est du hot lava. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was like, this, this is so awesome. You know, those are the things that you can't anticipate that are lovely about that job. Uh, but after that, for the bulk of my time working, I worked for a nonprofit, um, a nonprofit hospital network here in Austin, and I worked in their fundraising office. So the two main things I did for their fundraising office were graphic design. Um, And then for about about a third of the year, I worked on their employee giving campaign because it was a large hospital network um, with about 10,000 employees. So you could, that was its own group of people from whom you could fundraise. So we had an internal fundraising campaign every year and I managed that. That was the piece that really called on my Detail oriented to a point of stress. Um, the graphic design was very fun um, for me because it was a, uh, you know, something creative and and that was something. That's a great example of a skill that I did not intend to have and that I learned as I went. So they set me up with Adobe InDesign and I was like a rat in a cage pushing buttons and seeing what happened because that's a really those are really powerful programs, you know yeah. and you can get a lot done using about 1% of those programs. So, you know, I was just struggling, but, you know, watching online tutorials about things and, you know, and eventually got to a point where I was competent in that skill and then was relied upon to do it. So that's great. The company didn't have to hire an outside graphic designer and I enjoyed it and um, uh, one sort of drawback was doing graphic design for the same company Mm-hmm. Uh, meant you were often kind of operating in the same field. Exactly. Right. Restrained elegance. Got it. You know, <laughs> make it look hospital Okay. You know. Um, so, but I still enjoyed that. Uh, so that's what I spent most of my working years doing. Yeah. Before I came home to be with kids.
1: Oh, and I like it a lot because you, you already, you lived it, what, what you were talking like. You taught yeah. yourself yeah. graphic design, you know.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yes. So I love I love that. Which are the ways that you will say to advise to the people if they want to learn, let's say, marketing or graphic designs? Which are the ways to start? Like now with the internet. Uh,
0: okay, so what I certainly I mean you could almost find anything and everything on YouTube. Uh, what I found the most helpful was a website called lynda.com. Um, and that was a place where it was a subscription, but I mean, you could look up tutorials for almost anything. So if someone said, Hey, could you touch up so-and-so's skin? <laughs> I could go in and be like editing complexions. And then there would be, you know, five video tutorials on you know, not only that, but let's say in my version of the Adobe software that I had. Uh, So I found that to be a really good tool. That's what I used was lynda.com. I
1: like it, I like it, your idea. And uh, some words that you were were using, also that we were talking about purpose. Uh, I like to ask to my guests, uh, which do you think that is your purpose in life?
0: So... I have always had a strong feeling that family would be a big part of my purpose. Um, I even said in an interview, uh, I kind of knew the person, so it wasn't super risky. But where do you see yourself in five years? At home. But <laughs> kids want to hire me? Um, <laughs> which, as a side note, like I said, parenting might be my next big topic, because I think that should be an acceptable interview answer just PS to the interwebs. I think that should be an acceptable interview answer because I think parenting is a very worthy endeavor. But we'll save that for another time. So uh, I, I thought parenting would be a large part of what I wanted to do in my life. Um, and you know, to be fair, I think a lot of people think that and then it's not, it doesn't turn out <laughs> to be quite as fulfilling as they thought. But for me, what I thought turned out to be accurate. Um, and then, so I do feel like I have been able to do that part. Um, you know, I, I did meet a wonderful partner that also wanted kids, and we did have children. And, and I acknowledge uh, that those things, uh, with something like parenthood, that there's a lot of sort of complicated layers that go along with that. But for me, that happened to go according to plan. Uh, and then the other part that I've always felt drawn to was this idea of how can I use my words and thoughts to help other people? And so that's the piece that I feel like I'm only recently executing on. Uh, Taking some time to write with the idea of maybe uh, doing a book and taking a lot of time to uh, post on social media regularly and seek out places where I can talk about topics that uh, feel important. Uh, so, So yeah, I feel like I am getting a chance to do both things that I feel like give me purpose.
1: Beautiful, beautiful. I think you yeah, had two beautiful purpose. Parenting that I think it is and also like sharing your opinion and give it to the world and and planting the seed that is, if you can change one life, I think it's already like I was mission accomplished.
0: Yeah, I know. It's it's <laughs> wonderful. It's just astounding to think gosh that that makes me endlessly happy to think something i might say here today might help someone Mm -hmm. yeah awesome i'm I'm happy
1: (laughs) and also you you were talking about self-reflection self-reflection what you mean by that and how we can do that
0: so that's a really natural process for me Um, i tend to think deeply without effort and, uh, think about how I interact with the world, how I approach the world, et cetera. Uh, I think a great tool for people, if they want to do more of that is journaling. Um, even if that's, it can be completely free form if you want, uh, you know, um, a well-known book, The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. You know, she suggests that kind of three-page morning dialogue, that just sort of unedited flow of thought from you. Um, So if someone is not practiced, um, I think that's a great way to start. My guess is that most people do it and may not be aware of it, and that there's a lot of power to be had in being conscious of it. So you, you do have an internal dialogue, whether you're friends with it or not, and it does drive a lot of what you do, um, but your awareness of it is key in being able to manage it and harness it and work through things that operate in your mind. Um, so yeah, I think journaling is a way where people can often see, ooh, this thing comes up over and over for me, or it's even just a chance that they might not normally give themselves during the day To go you know i didn't realize i was thinking about that i didn't realize that was on my mind or so that's a recommendation i have
1: no no i think journaling it's it's a great way to 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 just put because it's like you say everyone at my point and i will agree with you everyone have some kind of self self-reflection but putting in a paper it's Mm -hmm. It's like becoming reality. And it's like the storm It becomes smaller and smaller sometimes. I think it helps a lot.
0: Yes. Yeah, I absolutely agree. It contains it in a way that we can either get it out of ourselves and contain it, which can be useful. And we can come back and reflect on it because it's still there for us to look back on.
1: Mm -hmm. I think it's perfect. Do you you use uh, journaling as a daily habit or how do you use it?
0: So... Um yeah, I started with that, I would say, toward the beginning of this year, just sitting down doing that kind of three pages. And what I, I would say what I discovered is, I don't know that I want to meet myself first thing in the morning. <laughs> I'm like, I've got too much going on up here. It's a little much at, you know, 6.15 to be thinking this deeply about politics, you know, or something like that. Um, uh, and I think that's probably largely the result of the fact that I have been an introspective person for a long time. So many of my patterns and habits I have already excavated. Okay. So, so perhaps, uh, I I don't want to say I was beyond that tool because I don't think anyone's beyond it, but it, it felt like I was showing up more to like my neuroses over and over. And I thought, I'm not sure I'm excited about this practice. So what I switched to doing was, because if I do something in the morning, if I do all por- all parts of what I think are a um, uh, morning routine that I would like to do, I, I started instead by reading something that caused me to reflect. So that way my, my, capacity to reflect was sort of put out on something else rather than just sort of turned inward all the time. So I picked up two very different books, which I've got here. One's called The Daily Stoic. Oh, I think that's backwards on the video. Okay,
1: okay. The Daily
0: Stoic by Ryan Holiday.
1: Well, yes, I know him.
0: Okay. Um, and so, you know, that's something that provides a quick, you know, a quick thought for each day. And so I can go, go in and start my day with something sort of inspiring or thought provoking. Um, And the other thing I picked up was, so I grew up in a Christian environment. Um, I no longer am a Christian, but I've been able to step away from that for long enough that I'm now finally, I feel like able to come back to certain Christian concepts Mm. and really find a lot of healing and wisdom in them because I think I would be foolish <laughs> to say anything like, oh, one of the world's major religions doesn't have something to offer me, right? So I picked up a book called New Morning Mercies, <clears throat> and this is a Christian devotional by Paul David David Tripp. And so I read both of those in the morning. Um, I find them a nice balance for one another. You know, the the Christian devotional is often getting into concepts like grace and mercy and love, and the Stoicism, Uh, devotional is getting into, you know, how can we uh, guard our thoughts and protect our mindset and interact with the world in, you know, certain ways. Um, So I've found that the best place for me to start. And it sort of gets me reflecting, but on something other than myself. And then if I feel, if I feel a really pressing sort of inner issue, then I go ahead and sort of journal about my own personal thoughts. Um, but yeah, doing that has been great. And then taking time after that to do something that feels like it contributes to my work. So whether that's writing in some form, writing for the goal of a book or writing for collecting my thoughts about college, you know, taking that time kind of before the day is really getting going to do to do the work that feels important to me.
1: No, no, and you already touched in, in a subject that I wanted to talk about daily habits that I, I mm-hmm. think lovely. So two of them, and I let's see if I if I understood you pass now from journaling to reading and trying to to ever uh, analyze what you read a little bit like a kind of meditation. I will. Yes. Yeah, say.
0: yeah will it, say. exactly. It gives me, and you're right. And sometimes I do that, like if I've read a concept that you know, there's, that I've kind of jotted my thoughts down about, but sometimes I just sit there and just feel, yeah, exactly, just kind of feel into that concept, getting a chance to just sort of quietly contemplate it or meditate on it as well.
1: I love that idea and after it's also you, you you are doing also continue to do some writing. Do you have any more daily daily habits that you do morning in morning routines night routines?
0: The other ones are more practical uh much more practical which is you know like I don't know Monday through Thursday I should probably think about laundry at the beginning of every day. Uh you know it's one of those things that sounds mundane to the point of being silly but it will bring your world to a halt if you don't keep up with it so you know in terms of things like that running essentially running the household and the family making sure those things are sort of automated you know so that's probably the other practical thing that crosses my mind every morning do I need to you know start some laundry fold some laundry uh, do something like that There's actually a woman on the internet called the fly lady. Um, she's definitely her own niche. I don't know that she's going to appeal to most of your listeners, but her whole, (laughs) her whole, the thrust of her message is all about routines and that when you have those things on automatic pilot, your life just runs so much smoother Mm -hmm. and having a smoothly running life, then allows you to not only enjoy it more, but yes, you know, also maybe do things that feel more higher level aligned. Um, Yeah. So she's very much about like, get up in the morning, get dressed, get dressed to shoes, do these three, you know, small cleaning tasks, like never let the mundane aspects of your life get overwhelming. You Mm -hmm. can just have them pick over regularly to where you don't even think about it. Make your bed. I do make my bed every morning. That's something I don't think about but I do that every morning Um, yeah so I've found I spent a lot of time I feel like in my early 30s thinking about things like that how do I manage the practical aspects of having a life (laughs) Mm -hmm. and and manage that well Um, so I think that's a very worthy uh, place to evaluate as well
1: no, and I think another one, another topic that you touch, I think routines, having a routine gives yeah. you, at the long rule, more freedom to do what you, because you know you have scheduled what you have to do.
0: Yes, I, yes, I agree. It's that, it's that structure from which you can then go do other things. Yep.
1: Exactly, exactly. I think it helps a lot. No, and, uh, also, you, mm, I like to ask to my guests another question that it's about, uh, success. What is your definition of success?
0: So for me, it's just connected to those kind of two elements of what I feel like my purpose is. So that would be a feeling like I have a connected family life. If I feel like, let's say I'm doing something well outside of that, but I feel like something is not functioning well inside my family, I will feel off. I will, I will not be able to enjoy doing this interview if I feel like something is off with my family. Um, and I think the reverse happens as well. Doing this interview probably makes me a better parent. you know, like having that balance of, you know, what I feel is sort of my personal, very personal individual calling out into the world, and my role as a mother, those two things influence one another. Um, So having a connected family life, and yeah, I mean, I would love to be able to uh, sort of grow this type of work and to do it more often, to be able to speak more or write or things like that. So for me, that would feel successful if I feel like my family is connected to one another and I'm able to sort of do this personal work in the world.
1: Exactly, And the balance between the two, I think it's, it's for me, its definition of success. And also I wanted to go a little bit behind just because uh, you touched in the, in the point about the book, uh, the, the artist way. Yes, that it says the three pages, uh, the morning pages. Yes, uh, for the ones that want to try it, what what it is, what consists of the, the the exercise.
0: So I have only read about the morning pages. I have mm-hmm. not read her <laughs> uh, her description of the morning pages. So let's see if we get this right third hand. My understanding of it is that she recommends three pages because she doesn't want you to not go deeply enough. <laughs> you know. She wants mm. you to get somewhere inside, but she doesn't want you to kind of spiral into, <laughs> you know, exactly. into yourself either. So the three pages is intentional uh, in mm. terms of a length and that it is completely free form. So often when I talk to people about doing this practice, they say, and, I'm, and I mean my friends, they say, mm. I don't know what I would write. Like, what do you write? And I'm like, write just that. I don't know what I would write. I am here doing these morning pages. Marguin said it was a good idea. I wonder if she's right. I think this is kind of stupid. Oh my gosh, I've only written three lines and I'm supposed to write three pages. Okay, this seems. to, you can do, you can completely just write your inner dialogue. You know, there is no pressure to make it about anything mm. because the reason that is recommended is you will discover something simply by writing down your inner dialogue. So if I write my inner dialogue, I think this is stupid. Oh my gosh, this is going to take forever. Why did Marguin even recommend this to me? Why does she like it? Maybe we're just different, blah blah blah. I can just look one paragraph ahead and then go, Hmm. I don't really approach new things with excitement. I approach them with stress or huh, I automatically jumped to this isn't for me and I've barely given it a try. I'm half a page in and I've already decided I don't like this thing. You know, like it's, write five sentences probably and you will have something to think about um, if you just then go back and look at what you wrote and say, what does that say? not everyone would write what I just wrote other people their first five sentences might look like this is so much fun I've got a new journal I love the feeling of a new journal and my pen is spectacular you know I do often start things and never finish them everyone's gonna have you know a totally different inner dialogue so I think I think you can't go wrong in other words I I don't care if you sit there and write the word hello for three pages I promise you if you do, by the fourth morning, you'll probably come up with something different or <laughs> you'll get somewhere. The practice will almost inevitably lead you somewhere.
1: Exactly. And then, like you said, the, the, the analysis after you're writing, like the conclusions that you can take, it's almost a, a therapy session itself, yeah. you know, like yes. understanding, like I give up too soon. I, yeah. I don't commit myself, you know, like I, I love that idea.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like, um, exactly, it's, it's, the, it's the really bare bones of self-reflection. Anyone can do it. Put out what you're thinking, think about what you're thinking. So I think that's why it's a great practice. It's that simple. That is what self-reflection is. And, and boy, is it powerful once you're conscious of that. Then, then you get the real magic. Because then you go, because then you find yourself in your day thinking about what you journaled about, mm-hmm. thinking about like, oh, that's right. I noticed this morning that my reaction to new things is stress. Okay, here it is showing up again for me today when my coworker made this new idea in this meeting and I went immediately to, yeah, but how are we going to execute that? You know, you'll, you'll see it. You will see it in your life because it's there. <laughs>
1: No, and like you said it now, it it's it helps to develop the the, the self awareness. Yeah, yes. like you were saying, like I think it's it's amazing. It's yeah. it's really, really, really Yeah, amazing. I'd
0: love to see more high school seniors develop a journaling practice than get hyped up about college applications. <laughs> you know? Because mm-hmm. yes. that's the skill. That's really the skill I'm asking mm-hmm. people to have. The skill I'm asking you to have is to know yourself.
1: Exactly. But it's it's quite complicated also because it's quite complicated. I will say we are in a world that everybody knows and have advice to give you and how to, you know. And so much opinions. It's good also because you have a lot of information, but it comes with a price.
0: Yes. Yes, I agree. And that's its own skill set too, going, all right, I've got all the. This information. Where do I land with it? What do I do when I think I've made a decision and then someone surprises me with a good point? Or, you know, on the other side, or how do I handle criticism for my decisions? These are in some of the sort of thoughts I've outlined about sort of imagining that I'm talking to a group of high school students. Mm-hmm. You know, this is one of the sections sort of of the talk I would give, which is, these, this is the real stuff of adulthood. know people want to treat you like you're an adult by sending you to college and telling you to go find a job. The real stuff of adulthood is saying, how do I I stay committed to something? How do I persist at something that I know is good over the long term, but is difficult short term? What do I do when people disagree with what I want to do? How do I handle that? Um, does it matter who I surround myself with you know, all these sorts of things. Like these are the valuable questions that I want people to have self-reflection. And then I also want them, I I want them to think it through and sort of troubleshoot. Yeah, this is is what you actually come across on the other side of college, not even just at 22, but you don't need a crystal ball. Go talk to someone who's 40. Let's talk Hmm. to someone who's way down the road. These are the things that they're, whether they're consciously answering them or not, they are answering them. They're behaving in a way that shows their response to those questions. How committed can I be to something? Uh, what do I do when motivation wanes? Who do I surround myself with? Yeah, et cetera,
1: so. Yeah, because in some points that I will agree with you, the commitment, it's, mm-hmm lacking you know like if we fail the first time we will say that is not for me you know we give up too yes. soon sometimes you know,
0: and that's one of the things i really worry about if if people go all right margwen i'll bite let's 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 walk through this not going to college thing so it's a year and a half in and i'm miserable that i'm like great now we get to have the conversation about failure because that is going to happen you are going to find things that don't work. And I think the problem that we have there is that people evaluate too soon. They kind of go, oh, I hit a roadblock. I must have made the wrong decision. Or they assume if they encounter failure at all that they have done something wrong. And, you know, I... I really, you know, want to sort of get ahead of that for people and say, you are going to find things that don't work. Of course you are, right? Everybody does. A lot of people don't feel like a failure because they, in other words, a lot of people get a college degree they don't use.
1: They don't end up going
0: into the field, right? I don't currently teach French. Uh, They don't end up going into the field, but they don't feel a sense of failure about college because they met the societal norms and no one gives them a hard time for that, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, good, Mm -hmm. you went to college. That's like all people care about. But if someone chooses to do something outside of the mainstream, then suddenly this evaluation system kicks in of like, was it a success? Did I do it right? Did I pick the right thing? And they're like a year and a half into something and calling it a failure. You know, it's like, oh, don't worry. People take a lot longer than that to fail. People go to college for four years and then don't even use the degree, you know, like, don't worry about, and I don't think we have, um, I don't think we have the right relationship with failure. I think we, we give it the first and last word too soon. You know, we go, oh, okay, fine. Hit a roadblock. You're right. Must be wrong. Um, Yeah, and I I just, I think we don't have a lot of experience with it. So I don't think we continue to work through it. I think we go, ah, something didn't work and we kind of run away. When it's like, I I think we serve ourselves better to go, hmm, how do I stay in a conversation even when failure is present?
1: Mm -hmm. Because we're completely, we have to start to accept more and more the failure as to, to come with the acceptation, you know, if you try yeah. 10,
0: maybe we'll fail nine, you know, and, yep. and that's okay. Yes. Yeah. I think I completely agree because all you're really doing is learning what didn't work. That's fine. Exactly. There's, there's no harm in learning what didn't work. Exactly, exactly. And I yeah. it's, it's,
1: also with the degree comes that because sometimes you come with a and if you take the degree, you think that your purpose in life, it's to work in the degree that you took and maybe no man. Maybe right. it was just a bad, a bad choice, you know.
0: Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah, I think this conversation applies before, during and after college, okay. that it's always worth evaluating if you feel a sense of that you're out of alignment with something that you want. That you go, huh, wait a second, let me rethink about this. Yeah, yeah, I think people do feel a lot of pressure to make use of their college degree.
1: Because after, like you said, it, after it's the debt the de- that you have, you know? It's also yeah, f-
0: yeah, that's just, it's just such a huge factor, at least for people in the U.S. That's like, wow, yes, you feel... Yeah, you feel a lot of pressure to get rid of. Uh, let's even make do... it. Let's make it small. Twenty thousand dollars of debt. Twenty thousand dollars of debt. Ah, you know. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So. And
1: uh, that relation with failure that you were talking about. How how do you think that we can develop a better relation with failure?
0: I think it's about not trying to avoid it. So I think that's one thing, not not having this sort of sort of avoidance relationship with it. Mm. Um and I think not giving it too much weight. I really think we just let it come in and just slam the conversation to a halt when it's just it's just one piece of feedback, you know? So I, I think that's that's mostly it. Getting getting comfortable interacting with failure and saying I'm I'm not going to run I'm not going to leave the conversation because that happened I'm going to stay here in the conversation, um, and then yeah and also I'm going to put it in perspective a little bit I'm going to ask it to get a little smaller, okay, cool calm your jets I hear your feedback great <laughs> you know but it's like it just gets so loud and it just dominates our thoughts that it ends up running the show and and it doesn't need to do that. It can just be a piece of information.
1: And yeah, like like you said, it like it's a piece of information and it's something that like it's part of the process maybe. You, You you are, you know, maybe you have to fail to improve, like to go to the next step.
0: Oh absolutely. And we do it all the time in our lives and don't question it but we really question it in some way. No one beats themselves up when they like pick the wrong paint color for a home improvement project. Mm -hmm. They, They just go, Oh, that turned out a little more blue than I thought it would. I think I'll go get it right. It's just, it's just what happens. If you're going to choose to interact with the world, you're going to discover things that you didn't know or needed to learn or et cetera, you know,
1: no, and after that, I think it's also because in, in, in our world, in in our society, in other days, you don't have a lot of people giving the fail, the failure stories. They talk they talk just about the success, Lamborghinis, the Lamborghinis, the you know. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's fair. You know, mm-hmm. It becomes complex it becomes difficult for you to accept failure if you just have around you people that have,
0: like, everybody can make money and it's just me. And yep. you yeah, that's a really fair piece of the puzzle that we just happen not to see people's failure as much. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That people just don't tend to mm-hmm. share it as much. Mm-hmm. You should yeah. humanize,
1: humanize more. I don't know, like, like, yeah. Like, yeah. You understand me? like yeah, it's, yeah, I think it's nice. Just like, because like the other guy, like, and I like, like for the ones that know, I will say to see him, Gary V or Gary Vanderchuk, he talks also a lot about that. He's a, for the ones that know he's a digital market, also a public speaker, mm-hmm. awesome person. And he talks a lot about that. Like it's, but you don't have a lot of people talking about that, you know?
0: Yeah. I agree. I yes, I think you're right that that is a a missing piece that that yeah people don't say. Well, let me tell you about how I got to the thing that worked. I tried this. Mm-hmm. I tried that. Da, da, da. Yeah, uh huh, for sure. Because I mean, I could say the same thing. So if, if I'm I'm pushing forty, feeling like, okay, I've got I've got a foothold now, on mm-hmm. on what I think I want to do, and the way I got there was. Trying college, and then being sort of stunned that it didn't really help me as much as I thought it would, and then trying teaching at that school and thinking, "I liked part of it, I didn't like part of it," and then working for a long time in graphic design, and, you know, all these things that just, you know, life mm-hmm. continues rolling on and things happen to you. Um, yeah, absolutely, that I learned so much from those things.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And the person that you are today it's the combination of all of that you know like mm. you know it's all that experience bad or good like it's it's the person that you are today' it's, it's part of it I like also to 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 ask to my guests uh, about the legacy what is the legacy that you want to leave behind
0: so I have a quote for you on this um so if I had to sum up, for me personally, I hope I have helpful wisdom. That That is a legacy I would love to leave behind. But there's a book that I'm cracking open again called Consciousness Explained by Daniel mm-hmm. C. Dennett. He's an American philosopher. Um, really dense book. <laughs> so I'm having to learn how to read for study instead of read for pleasure. Mm-hmm. But he says in the beginning... And this is why I can barely get through this book, because the first paragraph is beauty in and of itself, he says about writing this book. Now, after 30 years of thinking, talking and writing about this mystery, I think I've made some progress. I think I can sketch an outline of the solution, a theory of consciousness that gives answers or shows how to find the answers to the questions that have been just as baffling to philosophers and scientists as to lay people. I've had a lot of help. It's been my good fortune to be taught informally, indefatigably, and imperturbably by some wonderful thinkers whom you will meet in these pages. For the story I have to tell is not one of solitary cogitation, but of an odyssey through many fields, and the solutions to the puzzles are inextricably woven into a fabric of dialogue and disagreement, where we often learn more from bold mistakes than from cautious equivocation. I'm sure there are still plenty of mistakes in the theory I will offer here, and I hope they are bold ones, for then they will provoke better answers by others. Is that not beauty? Is that not beauty? I mean, Daniel. give me a break. I'm and on page the end, one. The it's, end, it's so good. So, strong. Right.
1: you
0: know, like for me, that's, that's the heart of what I hope. I've been thinking now for a couple decades about stuff. And I think after talking a lot and writing and thinking a lot, I've begun to sketch an outline of something helpful. In it, you will certainly find issues. But man, I hope, they're, I hope they're bold enough issues that you can then make a better mm. sketch after me. Mm-hmm. That, that's mm-hmm. what I truly hope for my life's work. That, that I can deliver, you know, a helpful scaffold for those who are coming after.
1: <laughs> mm, beautiful. Like yeah. uh, a nice footprint for the ones to continue your work. You know, like I said, it's a really nice legacy to give to the world. And let's talk. Let's talk now about the new projects that you were talking about. The new book that maybe it will yeah. Come so out.
0: you know that could easily take years to actually execute um, in terms of getting it done. Uh, my hope is to write um, a series of essays like the books that I read in the morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that type of tool is wonderful for people to have something they can pick up and put down something where they kind of don't have to do the mental legwork Mm -hmm. they can kind of read something and get inspired by it Um, something that consolidates wonderful thoughts from other people uh, you know brings it all together in one book so that's the idea for the book that i'm writing that it would be a daily reader type of book so 365 essays Mm -hmm. um, covering Lord knows what. Um, I think I saw in one of your, the notes on a different show you did, someone recommended Sapiens.
1: Exactly. A couple of, a couple of the guests, three guests.
0: Yeah. Like that's gotta be, that's gotta be part of my, like, so I'm envisioning a book where we can start with thoughts like that what on earth is the history of humankind and then sort of launch from there into, okay, now that we've established that, sure. Now we can think about love or mercy or great, you know, the idea that it could cover a whole, I mean, 365 essays gives you a lot of space <laughs> to explore different topics. Um, and I think the idea of an essay uh, helps me in that I am not uh, I have not studied anthropology to the extent that <laughs> um, what's his what's his name Yuval Noah Harari maybe I think is his. Is that uh,
1: yes. Name?
0: So I could maybe write a quick essay mm-hmm. on it and 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 say something thought provoking, but in other words, the format helps me too. I don't have to go super deeply into every subject because I'm not qualified to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that and then continuing for me. The sort of goals are continuing to post on social media and and just looking for opportunities like this, just chances to have conversations with people. And with corona, you know, for now, that's all virtual. But, you know, one of these days, life will get back to normal. And so whenever that day comes, you know, hopefully maybe being able to speak to high school groups, perhaps, or things like that.
1: To be great, yeah. Just make, make, make them think. You know, just there is another options. You know, like like you said it, like you said, and, like you said and, and I already know that you are a big reader, and it's something that I like also to ask to my guests. Can you give me uh, some books, some advices?
0: Yeah. So any of the books we've we've talked about already. So that was New Morning Mercies by Paul David Tripp. Um, The Daily Stoic by Ryan Holiday, Consciousness Explained by Daniel C. Dennett. Um, And I thought about this question and thought I'm going to cheat a little on my answer, but I'm going to tie it in to what we've been talking about. Pick up a book on something that interests you. So if you've been like not taking your love of cars seriously, Mm -hmm, go mm pick up a book about that. Go, Go pick up that book that like really speaks to you. If you're Mm -hmm. a person who just knows you could make a wonderful lasagna, you know, I don't care. Go, go get that book that speaks to that really personal interest, no matter how esoteric, I I don't care. I I used to, uh, I remember working with a hospital volunteer. Mm -hmm. Well, that was part of what I did in the hospital network too. I was the volunteer coordinator for one of the Mm -hmm. hospitals. So one of the older volunteers was a retired PhD and his field of study was fleas, fleas, the tiny insect fleas. And I have never been so enraptured by a discussion about fleas than when I was talking to him. So if your passion is teeny tiny critters, please go get a book on that and read about that because it's that same thing. When someone is lit up about something, you get lit up about it. I, I've never enjoyed a conversation about fleas more because mm-hmm. he was so interested in it and had so many insights, and you could see why his mind had sort of studied that thing and thought about it for so long as a you know professor and things like that. Um, and then I I had brought another book. Um, we didn't. This oh. is The Prophet by Khalil okay. Gibran. Okay. Well, well, yeah. Um, I had brought it. So I didn't know if we would get into, in this conversation, uh, the relationship I think parents have to their, to their kids as they're exploring this concept. Um, and I think fundamentally a parent's role in this, because I'm also imagining many hmm. teenagers might say, super cool, Marguin. Yeah, my parents are never going to go for that. <laughs> There's no way they're going to say yes to what you just said. Thanks, though, for coming to talk to our high school group. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think as a parent, our fundamental role is to guide our children, is just to be the guide. And so if I may, can I read something from this? Please, please,
1: please, please.
0: So this is far and away, the uh, most beautiful thing I've ever read about parenting. It is, now let me find the page. I thought I had the book uh, jacket there on children. So on children, page 17, okay. Your children are not your children. They are the sons and daughters of life's longing for itself. They come through you, but not from you. And though they are with you, yet they belong not to you. You may give them your love, but not your thoughts, for they have their own thoughts. You may house their bodies, but not their souls for their souls dwell in the house of tomorrow, which you cannot visit, not even in your dreams. You may strive to be like them, but seek not to make them like you, for life goes not backward, nor tarries with yesterday. You are the bows from which your children as living arrows are sent forth. The archer sees the mark upon the path of the infinite, and he bends you with his might, that his arrows may go swift and far. Let your bending in the archer's hand be for gladness, for even as he loves the arrow that flies, so he loves also the bow that is stable. Again, again. Oh not, Beauty.
1: Not so at all. I think cool? it's a really nice advice, man. That,
0: that's what parenting comes down to, right? In my opinion, parenting at its best is saying, I've got this little, I've got this person, this soul, this being in my life, and I am here to guide them, but I'm not here to control them. That is simply not my role. My role is to offer my love and my experience because I've gone ahead of them. I hmm. have gone down the road farther than they have. So, so my experience has value. But at the end of the day, especially when it comes to things like helping your children navigating their life's purpose, I think the conversation will go a lot more smoothly if a parent could take that mindset to say I'm here to facilitate your life. I'm not here to dictate it or control it. And, you know, definitely parents have different perspectives on that, but that I think is the most most worthy way we can approach it.
1: And I think you are totally right. And trying to control in any way being parenting or in any kind of relation Exactly. Doesn't work. You can try it. Maybe it will work for a couple of, you know what, long term, I think it's not the way. And it's like that.
0: Yeah, I so a lot of my early parenting was spent thinking about this very thing, about sort of how there's a lot of sort of authoritarianism in parenting. You'll do it because because I said so, you'll do it now, you'll do it this way, blah, blah, blah. And and it just struck me as so foolish, because, I, because I'm like, parenting is a long game. And you got to be kidding me if you think I'm going to sacrifice the long term trust of my child to get them to behave in a certain way as a three year old. So yeah, you know, I, I spent a lot of that early parenting time sort of reflecting on I don't think I'm going to make as many demands. I'm going to have more discussions than people think is probably sane with a three-year-old. I'm going to explain, you shouldn't stand up on that high thing, not because I said so, but because it could hurt if you fall. And, you know, we, mm-hmm. we should hurry up and get out the door because we're trying to be respectful of someone's time, not because you're trying to please me or, you know, all of that. Uh, so yeah, like I said, parenting is yes a wide world on which I have lots of thoughts. But my my early parenthood experience was a lot of, hmm. I don't think I'm gonna approach my young children in a way that I wouldn't want to approach my teenagers.
1: And it's uh, I think it's it's amazing. Just start, like make them think, make them talk, like prepare them to life. You know, like 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 you were saying, don't. Try to control their life, but prepare them to live, you know? Live. Right.
0: Yes, I think it's, I think it's the better long-term strategy. Now, I get it. I have definitely done things for short-term gains as a parent, <laughs> for sure. Some days you're just tired and you're, and I have literally said to my children, hey, I know we could have a discussion about this, but we're going to go with the fact that I'm older than you and what I say makes sense, and we're going to keep moving. <laughs> I've definitely, definitely caved to like, come on, give me a break. Just do it because I'm reasonable to trust.
1: (laughs) No, but but I think you're also right. And and again, coming back also, the balance between, you know, between you are, you have the age, you have the knowledge, you have at least more experience, Uh but also let them express themselves, you know, like... I think it's it's quite important, right, like really, Yes. I think, yeah.
0: And I have had to learn as my children have gotten older, sort of that balance, because because mm. I tend so far toward let's discuss that. I have then been able to come full full circle and go, okay, I see some of the value in saying, we're finished discussing that now. <laughs> 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 this is where we're headed right now, thank you so much, you know, so I've had to balance out my own, you know, natural parenting leanings toward being very discussion-oriented with going, all right, I also see how it provides value for my kids for me to be definitive on some things as well, yeah.
1: Awesome, well, let, let's, uh, now it comes the the, the a question, do you want, do you have any advice for the any parent that will listen to this interview that you want to share? For, the,
0: for a parent, it okay. would be, yeah, for a parent, it would be the Khalil Gibran quote, okay. to really meditate upon your role in your child's life as, as a guide and a facilitator. I think those concepts are neutral enough that you can hang on to them in a lot of parenting situations. And I think they can be very grounding and orienting without, uh, uh, without being prescriptive, without saying you have to approach it a certain way. Because mm-hmm. when you ground yourself in, I want to be their guide and I want to be their facilitator, I think some really good answers and responses come from that place.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, as just a general listener, parent or not, uh, I think my advice to people is to, is to take yourself seriously. I want to encourage people to use their gifts. And this sort of comes back around to at the very beginning when I said I grew up in a really encouraging family. Um, that is a real legacy that they gave me. They told me I was great and I bought it hook, line and sinker. And I began to live up to that. They gave me so much encouragement for who I was in anything I wanted to do. And um, I recognize that not everybody gets that from their family. Mm -hmm. And I also recognize that it doesn't have to come from your family. It can come from me saying, I think your gifts are worthy. I encourage you to take yourself seriously. And um, as I've said before, that's for the very reason that at the end of the day, when you, are functioning and using your beautiful gifts. I benefit from that, so that's why I want to encourage people to to take themselves seriously. Uh, because I received so much encouragement, and it has been uh, just the foundation of of a lot of what I've been able to think or do or pursue in my life.
1: I think yeah, it's good. it's really important if you have a nice base, like a nice family, a nice Structural family that helps you, that guides you, that I think it makes
0: it does it makes it the does. way
1: easier at least.
0: Yes, yes, and I think since people can't always count on that from their family, you know, some people don't get that message at all. Then mm-hmm. I I love to be able to be here and go, oh no, that that thing that you really like is worthy. I hope you pursue that especially because it's so different from my thing and I know I'm not going to do that. So I'd love it if another human did that. Cause then I get to see the really rad effect of someone pursuing that. So please, please go do what lights you up because I'm excited to see what happens.
1: And it's like you said it because after it's like you, you illuminate a person, the other person will illuminate other one. and
0: Yes. Or just like this, you doing your podcast now is the chance for all these different people to come on and share their stories and we get to gain value from that how cool is that and that's also been a really big encourager to me for using my gifts is the idea of man you could help somebody like don't leave that on the table yeah please go do your podcast because Mm -hmm. how fun you know like you're, you're helping people by doing your podcast. That's so cool. I'm so glad you didn't leave that on the table. I'm so glad mm-hmm. you decided to go, oh, okay, you know, I've been thinking about this for a while. I'll do it.
1: Yeah, because also some, 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 something that we, maybe we can talk if you have, if you have time, uh, is that uh, other people's opinion, we take so much so much can, and for me part it was of that you know like there is so much podcast there is people doing
0: oh. you know yep. so, uh, part of how i think about that is um no one who wants who goes into the field of accounting <clears throat> gets met with this there are a lot of accountants you shouldn't do that right <laughs> no accountant has ever been worried about the saturation of their field they're like Okay, I know there are other accountants, but I, I'm talking about this company in my city that needs one, right? So the way I answer that question for myself is, yeah, I am definitely not the first person to have these thoughts, to think them this way, to say them, and blah, blah, blah. But it's that whole, I might be the right person at the right time for someone else. So that's sort of what keeps me, when, when that objection comes up in my own mind, um, is is kind of going that's okay there are there are a lot of other people that do this, so what there are a lot of people that do the same thing in lots of fields <laughs> yeah,
1: it's your point of view, and like don't just do it sometimes just yeah. do it don't don't overthinking I think also overthinking it's part of it also it
0: yes. Yeah, I I know, you know, one thing I think that trips people up, uh, that trips me up too, is just being new at something Mm. that it's like, I wish I I already had the credibility to like build upon, but there's no way to do that except to start. So I know that that's part of the criticism that comes up for me. Like, who do you think, you know, imagining a friend of mine watching this, what, who do you think you are? What? What are you doing, Margwen talking for an hour about some opinion you have, mm-hmm. you know, and just kind of going, I know, like, I'm not, I'm not five years into this. I get mm-hmm. it right now. It's, it's just me. And I'm just at the beginning. And yeah, that's going to be new for people to experience me in this way. But uh, not new for my close friends. Good Lord, my close friends are going to be like, thank God she has someone to talk to. Insufferable. Please let her talk to others. But, <laughs> you know, yeah, I mean, it'll, it might be weird for people to adjust to, oh, she's doing something different. I think that about my Instagram account. Like, okay, mm-hmm. people are going to have to get used to the fact that like, okay, I guess Margwen uses her Instagram account this way now. It's not pictures of her kids anymore. It's like her thoughts on everything. All right, you
1: know, exactly. No, no. rolling exactly, and don't care like a lot about their opinion, and just do what you feel like. Your what is sure. your passion? Or,
0: or care about it, care exactly. about it, but have a dialogue about it. So mm. for me, it doesn't work to it doesn't work to ignore it. It mm. doesn't work for me to go, oh yeah, yeah screw you and your opinions. If mm. I I do better when I go, all right, what is it that I'm worried about in their opinion? Okay, I'm worried about my friend from high school who's used Mm -hmm. to seeing pictures of my kids on Instagram then going, why is Marguin giving me her thoughts on college right now? Mm -hmm. Okay, that's okay, it's just new. So then when I can kind of troubleshoot it in my own mind, then I get comfortable with it. Like, all right, that's actually valid. They're like, what the hell's happened to her Instagram page? Okay, cool, they got something different than they were expecting. Over time, they will now come to expect this from my Instagram page. And everyone just needs a little time to transition. That's kind of how I take in some mm-hmm. of those criticisms because it doesn't quite work for me to just completely ignore them, mm-hmm. to kind of dialogue with them a little bit. But yeah, I, w- I wouldn't want it to stop me, certainly.
1: No, and I think you are totally right. And after the feed comes, uh, if it's something constructive, if it's, it's like you said, it, analyze it again and yeah. take it because maybe it's something important that yeah, okay, it's valid, you know, like, like you yeah. were saying. Mm. Yeah. And you were talking about uh, Instagram. Uh, where the people can find you if they want to yeah. uh, talk so to I you? So I tend
0: to post on Instagram, LinkedIn, and TikTok. They're all under my name, Margwen Dixon. Um, on Instagram and TikTok, it's Marguen underscore Dixon. But yeah, it's okay. just my name.
1: Okay, I will put it after in the description yeah. of, of the, the, the interview. And the last question, uh, do you have any last thoughts that you want to share with me and the listeners and viewers?
0: I just I just feel really thankful to get to do this. This is, you know, this is the thing that lights me up, having important conversations. So I appreciate you having this, you know, podcast and saying yes to someone who just said, "Hey, what do you think about having this conversation?" and mm-hmm. you saying, "Sure, let's do it." Mm-hmm. So, I think I think this is a great example of the things we've talked about today. You know?
1: So, much, and thank you so much also for having the time. And yeah, I'm a big believer that we all all of us we have something to teach and learn so
0: Yeah. Yes, that's well mm-hmm. said in your description mm-hmm. of your podcast. It's so true.
1: I really believe it. Thank you so much, guys. Don't forget to go to Margaret Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn, and don't forget also to follow us in all the social media. Okay. Great day.
0: Awesome.
1: Thank you.